This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And good evening and welcome to hour number two of the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate Show. Getting you set for LSU and Syracuse. Got a question for former LSU great Herb Tyler, 504-260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. At the latest on the Tigers online at www.com. And before we get to LSU columnist and Louisiana Network Sports Director Jeff Palermo, uh, some big news happening uh, in the NBA is uh, speculated for quite some time. Now Carmelo Anthony has been traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So this past summer, the Thunder have uh, made some big moves, picking up Paul George, and now Carmelo Anthony. He goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder to play alongside Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Big news out of the NBA. Well, joining us now is columnist at www.com, Louisiana Network Sports Director Jeff Palermo. Jeff, uh, LSU uh, had more than they could handle last week in the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And, uh, look, would it, would it have made a difference? Absolutely. Uh, if you don't have two touchdowns called back, if you don't have the penalties there. And I'm not saying that the, the, the outcome of the game, the final score would have been different, but certainly they would have. It, those things made a difference. Three weeks in a row, Jeff, and this team is averaging 10 penalties and 91 yards, and uh, that's a no-no in, in coaching. Is this a team that you see disciplining things out, getting better? Is that a part of the young mistakes? How can you put your finger on the penalties, the high number of penalties and yards through three games? Really difficult to figure out why they've been penalized as much as they have been. You know, in the first game, I think there was a lot of procedure, penalties, obviously, uh, a new offense, and probably thinking way too much, but what we've seen is go from those procedure penalties now to the personal foul penalties, the targeting. I think there was a, a level sense of uh, frustration in the game against Mississippi State, uh, realizing that game was starting to slip away from you. You start doing some things that you shouldn't. Uh, the holding penalties, um, just uh, I, I think it's one of those things where Sometimes see, uh, you know, you might see in other sports where you're kind of going through a bit of a slump with uh, a particular facet of your game, and I think that's what LSU is going through right now. So I, I would imagine as the season goes along, goes along, they'll have a game where maybe they only get penalized five or six times, but um, hopefully it turns around here tonight. I think the message has been received. Uh, they've been coached up on it, and now it's just up to the players to – uh, not commit the holdings, the personal fouls, and the procedure plays. Look for LSU to operate a little more slower today offensively, not try to run up the uh, play count as so much, just to make sure that everybody's focused, worrying about that one particular play, and then when that play's over, gather his thoughts and get ready for the next play. Jeff Herb here, man. With that being said, you you know, I, I think that's the way you kind of help balance out the offense, if you will, with, uh, with the – the penalty ratio. Um, what about the defense? How can we create some turnovers? How can we put some pressure on the quarterback? How can we, you know, stop the run game or let's say stop their quarterback, Dungy, from, from having a successful night running and passing the ball? Well, maybe Rashard Lawrence can help there. They uh, obviously 
need some help on that defensive line and him coming back, uh, even though it might he might not play a full game. He may, may have to play a lot of snaps just because of the lack of depth on the defensive line. But uh, getting a guy like him back, and now you got Arden Key moving on to his second game. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in you know pressure on quarterbacks, getting into the backfield. That's what results in a lot more turnovers. LSU really never really frustrated Nick Fitzgerald at all last week. You know, sometimes it is difficult with these no. offenses that get rid of the ball so quickly. You know, Chattanooga did for sure uh, the week before, but still, uh, LSU does need to try to get some more pressure on guys. The, the problem is is that you just don't have a lot of defensive linemen to rotate guys in. So, uh, and then you got some you got some young safeties are playing back there as well, and so you got some guys that are are still learning and might not be ready to their, their first step when they react to the ball might not be as quick as it will be later in the year or obviously as they mature as college football players. Jeff Palermo is with us, columnist at www.com, Louisiana Network Sports Director. Boy, Jeff, and you know you can't cry with Phil Mip, but when you go back and look at the way the guy like uh, Devon Gottschall made an impact as a true freshman, that loss of Tyler Shelvin just sticks up uh, even more now because yep. you know by now this guy would be knee-deep into uh, figuring well into LSU's game plan, not yep. only as being a playmaker, but also from a depth standpoint. Oh, no doubt about it. And then you think about some of the other guys. You think about a guy like Trevante Valentine. Remember how much hype there was mm-hmm. about him? And uh, he just never cut it. You know, that, that yeah. would be another guy that would be... Uh, just to give somebody here. a breather, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk. I mean, he, he's uh, in your backyard at Alexander Geek. There was a lot of talk about him at St. Thomas Aquinas. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, frankly, when you look at him, you, you have to wonder if the guy's really in shape. I mean, they list him at 340. He looks a little bit bigger than that. And now he's got a hand injury to go along with it. So uh, there's been just some guys that just it just hasn't um, – the, the other kid, the, the Trey, I always refer to him as Trey L because I can never really say his last name. Uh, another guy that they counted on uh, that it just it just didn't work out for him. So they've had a lot of misses uh, on that defensive line, and they just haven't recruited there well enough over the last couple of years. And you know, I think that's why uh, you hear Ed Orgeron talk so much about recruiting is because he knows he's got to make up for a little bit of lost time that he doesn't have the guys that he wants at the defensive line position, O-line, wide receiver. And, and right now, and he might not – I think he feels he has the quarterback or a couple quarterbacks that could play that level. But, you know, Danny Etling also has to need to pick up his game as well. You know, and you know, along with Herb Todd and Jeff Palermo and Dick Bellavia, Jeff, to kind of look at it and to be fair, uh, some would point out, and I try to kind of like uh, put everything on the table, so to speak, and some would point out, well, you look at the recruiting with Coach O, he's been there through, you know, several years. But it's a difference, though, Jeff, and, and Herb knows this playing, and surely everybody out there, there's a difference between when you're on a staff and then you're in charge of a staff. And, look, yes, that, you know, Coach Miles has the final say-so on everything as far as recruiting, who's in charge of this or that. But now he gets his stamp on it. And, you know, last year's class, this year's class, it's going to take him a class or so to, to kind of get his players in here. You know, when you ever, it doesn't matter what level it is, college or pro, you'll always hear, well, that guy, that coach has to get his players in there. And that's what he's doing. And I think people who are around the state and follow recruiting and different recruiting services and message boards, they see – and they're hearing and, and getting actual visual shots of LSU coaches far more active, including the head coach, on the recruiting trail on Friday nights throughout the week than it had been in previous years. 
<laughs> I read the story about uh, Coach O and another assistant, uh, what, taking a helicopter to Berman Stadium to go watch mm-hmm. Landry Walker uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, I mean, that's, sometimes you do need to make the uh, extra effort. Uh, you're, you're right about exactly what you're saying. Uh, you know, Coach Orgeron talked about it this week that they may have to the uh, recruit to, to the junior college level to try to add mm-hmm. some guys on that defensive line. So uh, he recognizes it's an issue. Uh, that's all you really can do at this point and try to work with uh, what you can. There's no uh, trade deadline coming up here in the next couple of weeks where maybe you can uh, maybe you can uh, change some things. Uh, there's another guy, uh, you know, the three. Keep this name, you know, Brennan uh, Fajeco, the, def- the uh, Texas Tech defensive lineman that transferred here. I remember yep. Coach Orgeron talked about it in August. He's obviously ineligible to play this year because of uh, NCAA transfer rules. But I remember Coach O saying back in August, uh, I mean, that guy might be one of their best defensive linemen on the team. And right now, obviously, he has to sit out a year. So I think there's help on the way. It's just uh, it, 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 you might have a couple more games like you did last Saturday where you just get completely dominated on the line and it doesn't help when you get a defensive lineman kicked off and you got another guy or, or, or uh, ejected and another guy hurts his hand and all of a sudden numbers get really low. So they may have a couple more games like that, guys, where they just get completely out-muscled on the line. All right, Jeff Palermo, give us your prediction. LSU and Syracuse tonight in Death Valley. Well, this one's been a difficult one for, for me to try to figure out how this is going to go. Uh, you anticipate a bounce-back performance. I think these guys will be a little bit more focused. Uh, it's been interesting to watch the line this week. It's come down a, a little bit. I think LSU will win, but I don't know. I, I think Syracuse can keep this one a little close. I think LSU has to be questioning itself a little bit at this point, but I still think the Tigers can win by a couple touchdowns. All right, Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com, Louisiana Network Sports Director, on Twitter at Jeff Palermo LRN. Jeff, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time. We will talk again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Deacon Herb. All right. Thanks, He's Jeff. Herb Tyler. I'm Deacon Bellavid. When we continue, we'll go around the SEC. Some big ones today. LSU's opponent from last week, Mississippi State, is between the hedges today taking on Georgia and a couple of future opponents for LSU. We'll check in on Florida and Auburn. We'll go around the SEC next. Count you down to LSU and Syracuse tonight right here on WWL. Time now to go around the SEC along with Herb Tyler and Deke Bellavis. Some big games in the conference. East versus West. Of course, a 2.30 game getting set to kick off in Nashville. Number one, Alabama taking on Vanderbilt. That's and another, big one. Yes, it is, Herb. And another big one, East versus West. LSU's last week opponent, Mississippi State, mm-hmm. beating LSU 37-7. They are in Athens today taking on an opponent. LSU will play here in Death Valley next, next year. year. The Georgia Bulldogs, Anthony J- Dasher, who covers uh, Georgia Athletics. Georgia's. Now, Anthony, thank you so much for the time. Uh, the big win on the road at uh, Notre Dame, of course, without the starting quarterback. Then you get back home, able to heal up a little bit. Tell us, first of all, the health of the quarterback situation going into today's game against Mississippi State. Well, we started quarterback for Georgia. We'll watch again. Be true freshman Jake Brown. Coach Jacob did return to practice this week, uh, but still not cleared to play. So we're not expecting any last minute news on that. In fact, we don't think he's going to play at all of this. It'll be Jake Brown's game. Uh, Andy, what would you say is is the strength of this team uh, early on through through four games of the season? Three four games. Well, is it, it is it balance? Is it running throwing? The, what, what is the strength of this Georgia team? Well, well, I think just overall the strength right now is probably the defense. I mean, the, the front seven for Georgia played a tremendous football this year, especially against the run. Uh, Appalachian State got 89 yards, but uh, Georgia held, what, 
Notre Dame to what 22 yards rushing in game two after Notre Dame had rushed for over 400 yards. So you know, get the front the front line for Georgia playing great outside linebackers Lorenzo Carter, David Bellamy been playing outstanding. Roquan Smith, middle linebacker, has been a very strong defense. Offensively, still trying to find their way a little bit with the freshman quarterback. Anthony Hurt Tyler here, man. No, uh, so you said the strength of this team is the defense. How do you think they'll react to a Fitzgerald who's able to run the ball and pass the ball, as well as, you know, with the offensive line that they have, and they have a decent, a really yeah. good running back actually behind them? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, Mississippi State is, uh, I, I think, without question, about talent Georgia Space this year. Uh, you know, as mm-hmm. physical as those guys are, at least you saw that last week, and that's going to be a huge challenge. You know, one thing Georgia has done, they have played quarterbacks and it's similar to uh, Mr. Fitzgerald. Now, Grant, I think. Uh, I think uh, Fitzgerald is, is probably better again than what Georgia's seen, but they again they're used to playing a quarterback who can uh, do it on the, with a run as well as their arm. So we'll see what happens. And of course, key matchup today: the number one rushing offense and scoring offense in Mississippi State is taking on the number two rush defense in the league in Georgia. Anthony, Georgia and Mississippi State. How you see this one shaking out today between the hedges at Sanford Stadium? Uh, well, right now I've got Georgia winning. I know this line is down off by three points right now, but I think, uh, again, Georgia's playing a lot of comps. I know Mississippi State is too, but can they repeat that same uh, effort they gave and playing at home with all that crowd was going crazy? It's going to be the exact opposite this week and after as far as the crowd goes. It's going to be up to them to you know, figure out their own, uh, how they're going to uh, get that momentum going. It's not going to be uh, as easy as it was last week in the league. And, Anthony, how can people keep the latest on the Georgia Bulldogs? Well, they can follow our website at ugasports.com or me on Twitter at anthony one. Anthony, thank you so much for the time. Of course, I uh, found out this week that uh, LSU's uh, rotating SEC Eastern foe next year will be Georgia here in Death Valley, so we'll be staying close with you between now and then. No doubt. Looking forward to that one already. All right, Anthony Dash. Of course, the last time LSU played Georgia in Death Valley was 2008, I believe it was, when the last two teams uh, Sounds played. about right. If I have to look back at the numbers, Michael Barnett sent out about the uh, LSU schedule. Uh, if I got that correct, I'm double-check myself, Herb, because I may be – wrong on that one but uh, georgia will uh, host uh, G- lsu will host georgia and uh, that is correct first time since uh, 2008 and uh, lsu is five five and one all time against the bulldogs in <laughs> death valley so that's uh, one of one of the big games on the schedule next year again herb lsu schedule i think people are excited about it not only because of the conference games but yeah that non-conference game in jerry's world at dallas and arlington against miami which will be a t- probably a top at least a top 15 mm-hmm. maybe a top 10 team Come on, play Southeastern. You know, that school will be glad that uh, they're coming to Tiger Stadium. They get a chance to be here playing this venue, and they will more than likely sell out all their tickets. Then you go to Auburn. You come home for a couple of games. You play Louisiana Tech. Yep. Then you play Ole Miss, which is uh, a little unique because that's the first time I can remember in a while you play Ole Miss that early in the season. Your second conference game, and you get them at the last week of September. You go to Florida, and you come home for a three-game stretch, Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama at Arkansas versus Rice and at Texas A&M. So I think an interesting home schedule next year for the Tigers. I like the whole schedule, man. I do, too. I mean, everything about it just, just speaks volumes to what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not only just the home schedule with all the, with everybody that we have playing there. Uh, you know, we play Southeastern at home. That's pretty interesting. We play Miami yeah. away, which is not away, but it's yeah. a neutral field, if you will. And that's going to be a huge game. The only game to me that 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 – it seems somewhat questionable, questionable, but isn't really. It's Rice. But yeah. outside of that, every game is going to be an interesting game. No doubt about for it. For one reason or another, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's nothing like being outside of Tiger Stadium, Herb. Just the feel of it, but then the smell of the it. The smell That's of it. it. Oh, you my smell goodness. that barbecue cold. They just lit them. Look, smell that barbecue fluid light, 
burned off. Can I take a break and go find out where that is? And just as long as you bring me something back. Well, I had two meat pies already. That's all right. Well, the boys from the bayou are here and they're making jambalaya today, so we'll be getting some jambalaya. I can't wait to get that. Oh, they take care of us. They do indeed. Yes, sir. Lafont and A Bear. All right, coming up, we'll continue going around the SEC. LSU's next two opponents in the conference. We'll check in on Auburn today. Is Auburn? is uh, at Missouri, and then they play Mississippi State next week. Yep. And then uh, wrapping up the hour, we'll talk to the Florida Gators, Thomas Goldcamp. An interesting game today. Florida is at Kentucky, and whoever can win this game pretty much has a leg up in the east. That would mean that Florida had beat uh, – if Florida – Kentucky wins, that would mean they had beaten Florida and pretty mm-hmm. much got a, at least, a you know, an edge because that's a team that beat Tennessee. And then you're, uh, yep. you know, you're undefeated 2-0 in conference play. So we'll talk about that in just a moment as well. Before we get to the uh, bottom of the hour – Yes, here's a CBS update. All right, we're continuing going around the SEC today and some big games in conference play, to say the least. We could say that every week, but there are some interesting ones. We talked a little bit. One, it's in action now, a high-scoring affair that is going on in uh, Arlington. Uh, Early in the fourth, it is – let me get an updated score on this one here because we got a refresh there in the 40s now. Last we got it was 40 to 36. We'll get you updated on Arkansas and Texas A&M. It's 43 40, to 40, 40 right now with a buck 37 left to play in that contest. Wow. Texas A&M has the football. These also, are two coaches that are playing for the jobs or coaches yeah, for the jobs right now. Hot seat bowl, yeah, yes, no sir. doubt about it. Tennessee in action against a UMass uh, early this afternoon, and then kicking off in just a moment is Alabama at Vanderbilt. And tonight, one that is taking place in Columbus, Columbia. It is Missouri 1-2 and two, taking on 2-1 two and one Auburn. A crucial stretch starting for Auburn because they will go back home and play Mississippi State next week. And then in a few weeks, they'll be in Death Valley to take on LSU. Here to help us talk about the Auburn Tigers is Brian Matthews. Brian, thank you so much for the time. And Auburn uh, into this contest, kind of still trying to find out where they are identity-wise on offense. Of course, I don't think anybody would look stout against that Clemson defense. I mean, they're just peppered. That front seven were pro prospects. But uh, last week, not the kind of game they wanted against Mercer. Where is this Auburn team now going against a ball club that has really given up a lot of points and a lot of yards in Missouri? Well, this is a chance for that Auburn offense to get better, to find an identity, to uh, you know, score some points, put some yards. But uh, that's not a guarantee just because Missouri struggled uh, the first few weeks on defense. You know, Barry Odom fired a defensive coordinator two weeks ago, and uh, he's a defensive coach. So, you expect they're going to eventually get better, and, you know, maybe it happens this way. But, uh, yeah, the biggest thing to watch for Auburn is how that offense performs. Boy, Brian, and, you know, I, I know it's early, but it, it's been a while since you, you're kind of, you know, a few games, getting close to a handful of games in the season, and Auburn is only scoring 23 points a game, and they're rushing for about 178 yards per contest. Usually those numbers are toward the top and pretty high in a Gus Malzahn offense. It, it really is, and, and, you know, this is – not necessarily Gus Malzahn offense anymore. He hired Chip Lindsey's offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, he was criticized about uh, whether or not he was going to play the first two weeks. Last week he didn't have a play seat and uh, made sure his microphone on the headset was turned up whenever Auburn was on offense. So, yeah, I still think there's a lot of issues there with the offense and exactly who's running it, uh, you know, who's setting up the, the game plan. And, and I think different these kind of plays now, but, but you never know what's going to happen today out there on the field. And a tough stretch for Auburn, as we said, today in Columbia against Missouri. Then they come home for two games against Mississippi State and Ole Miss. They'll be here the second week in October against LSU and then Arkansas. That's a tough, tough stretch of LSU, uh, Auburn, that is, with 
three straight, four straight SEC Western games starting next week with Mississippi State today there at Missouri. Brian, how can people get the latest? Of course, LSU fans will be keeping up with Auburn when they come to town in a few weeks here. How can they get the latest on the Auburn Tigers? Appreciate it. And check us out, AuburnSports.com. Follow me on Twitter, BMATAU. We'll have plenty of coverage of the big game today. And then uh, you're right, another big stretch of games coming up, including Mississippi State the next week. Brian Matthews. Brian, always a pleasure, my man. Enjoy the contest this afternoon. Thanks, Dick. All right, continue going around the SEC. And, uh, you know, when you talk about it, Herb, uh, Auburn is a program that we go back to last year. was uh, very interesting. Uh, It was that game against LSU in which you kind of felt like maybe that was Gus Malzahn that might have been uh, shown the door. He was at a a hot, hot point. And when they beat LSU, they were able to get on the kind of right the ship some. Mm -hmm. They did come down the stretch and lost to Georgia and Alabama. That put the kind of put them back in a little – you know, dog territory, got to the Sugar Bowl, uh, got pounded pretty good by Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And now people are thinking, like, okay, what do you do this year? And uh, their offense has sputtered. And they got to get it in, in, in check because uh, you're playing basically a team today that's giving them more yards, more points than anybody in this conference pretty much by far in Missouri. And they play State, Ole Miss, and they'll be here in about three or four weeks to take on LSU. So it's a crucial stretch for Auburn in the yeah, West. It's funny how things work, right? Like, like last year they were in this position last last yeah. year, and then they just flourished, you know, and they and they kind of climbed the ladder a little bit, got to the Sugar Bowl, like you said, got got you know uh, you know pretty much handed mm-hmm. to them uh, on that in the Sugar Bowl or whatnot by Oklahoma. And then you come back this year, and they're struggling again in the beginning of the season, if you will, offensively. So how do they bounce back? You know, Gus Malzahn is is coaching for his job. I think he really, truly is. I, I think agree. he's one of the better coaches, but yet I think he's at a stretch right now himself as far as recruiting is concerned where he's down a little bit on the guys that he really, truly need to have in there. And then, um, you know, we're talking about the offensive coordinator and, and, and him calling the plays or him making the final decisions, which was one of the things of, of you know, that we saw the demise of, of if you will, of, of less miles and not mm-hmm. allowing guys to coach and do what they need to do in order to, to advance the program offensively. So, um, you know, I've always thought that that, that Coach Malzone's offense was, was uh, you know, one of those uh, triple option yet, uh, you know, just a – Kind you of know, trickeration. Kind of yeah, like. just, you know, all kind of different formations and things of that nature. And he has – he got bailed out by having some really great quarterbacks, you know, back-to-back, yes, and, you know. Um, but now he's not getting those guys in or he's missing on those guys, if you will, in the recruiting trail. So so we'll see what happens this year. You know, you never know how things shake up. You know, it may, it may turn out and – and, and win every game from here on out. But then yeah. again, I don't see it. Tonight's opponent, of course, we'll check in one more conference game. That's Kentucky and Florida, LSU's next conference opponent in Gainesville in a couple of weeks. But looking at a quick look here, the Syracuse Orange coming at 2-1. and one. Dino Babers, of course, uh, this is uh, begins a really, really tr- tough stretch for mm-hmm. the Syracuse Orange on their schedule, Herb. And they've got yep. a, a brutal schedule. They start with LSU, then NC State, who uh, right now is nip, nip and tuck with Florida State going yep. to the wire. They play Pittsburgh, Clemson, at Miami, at Florida State. So the next six games are brutal for Syracuse starting tonight. They're 2-1, averaging 38 points a contest. Very good balance on offense, as we said. Uh, Eric yeah. Dungey, passion for about 290 yards a contest. They're rushing for 193 on a team, 42% on third downs. And they have the leading receiver in the nation, uh, Herb, in Steve Ismail. Yep. And, boy, when you look at his numbers, this guy has put up some really – good numbers and look forget your opponent sometimes you can just look at what you're doing and it's hard to do what this young man has done 
on air in his uh, in his three games. <laughs> First agree. game against Central Connecticut State, Ismail 12 receptions, 134 yards. In week two against Middle Tennessee, Ismail 14 for 116. And last week in a victory over Central Michigan, Ismail with eight for 139. He's averaging 11 receptions. He leads the nation in receptions and mm-hmm. uh, yards on average per contest. So you know that they're going to throw incredible. the ball, and uh, wherever Ismail is, Eric Ainge likes to go to him. At some point, you got to you got to have either two guys on him or put your best guy on him and shut him down. Let's you know, let's make uh, Dungey beat us. You yeah. know, I don't know if that I don't know if he can do it, but uh, the only way he can do it is is by passing and running the football. But mm-hmm. if we take the passing game away from him, along with Ismail, I think we'll be okay. Uh, we but we can't let those guys get hot. Once they get hot, it's gonna be difficult to stop. Them. Yep, no doubt about it. And then Herb, you look on the Syracuse side, and we'll go behind enemy lines. Uh, next hour with Stephen Bailey, but you look at Syracuse's defense, allowing 18 points a game. They're one of the mm-hmm. top rushing defenses, only allowing 84 yards, 304 yards total, mm-hmm. and they are sixth in the nation on third down conversions, third down defense, 7 of 43, 16.3%. That'll be key tonight. That's if key. they can get off the field and make LSU's offense, uh, you know, three and out, third down, and that's going to bode well for them because they are a ball club. They like to run north of 78, 80. 93 plays they ran their first game, 93 yep. plays, and last week they ran 78. That's a lot so of So they want to run Herb in the 80 play-wise. And the higher play total they run, the better it bodes for them. What we got to do is we got to win the battle up front. We've got to cause some turnovers. We've got to win that, that ratio, right? We have, yeah. to, we have to get a couple of intercepts or some fumbles or something like that to, to where we can get their offense off of the field, our offense onto the field. And not only once we get that, we have to be consistent and we have to be balanced. Right. We have to be able to throw the ball. On first down, I think, you know, to keep them off balance. Let's not be too predictable with the run game. we got to hope that our offensive line can push them around and then create create some holes in lanes for Geis Williams and those other guys back there to run the football. And we got to put some points on the board. Um, we, we, we can't, you know, we, we, we you know the spread is what, 20, 23, 23 24, something yeah. like that. I don't really see us, you know, covering that spread. But we, had, we should at least win by 14 points. But we got to put some points on the board. All right. All right. We'll come back. We'll talk to Thomas Goldcamp and get an update on the Florida Gators. As uh, uh, Dave Potter just kindly lets us know, A&M and Arkansas have gone into overtime. Oh, wow. They're in overtime in Arlington. So we'll keep you posted on that one. Those two SEC Western teams, LSU, will play later in the season. A&M and Arkansas in overtime in Arlington. We'll continue around the SEC next and getting familiar with the Syracuse Orange. Syracuse and LSU tonight. 605 kickoff here on Tiger Radio WWL. Well, the next time LSU steps into conference play, it will be in Gainesville against the Florida Gators, wrapping up the inside the SEC portion of today's Tiger Tailgate show with Thomas Goldcamp, who's all on top of Florida Athletics. Boy, Thomas, what a game last week. And, you know, from afar, Thomas, you're obviously in more tuned to Gator Athletics than I am, but just watching the SEC network and, you know, on fan bases, Man, you couldn't tell Florida won this week. I mean, their their fans are. It was a toss up between okay, whose fans are more dejected right now? It's Tennessee fans, Florida fans, uh, LSU fans. There was a lot of dejection going on uh, last week, and I would have thought that Florida had lost that game. They did win that game, but uh, what's the take on Florida? Why why are Floridians, why are Gator fans so upset right now? Well, it's the same reason Jim Mathewin won the SEC East two years in a row, and yet still finds his feet kind of warm, and eventually. That's because Florida hasn't improved very much uh, in his tenure. It's still a very bad offense, hard to watch. 
Um, and that didn't change against Tennessee despite the, the late-game fireworks there. Thomas, now you go on the road, and you know there's always these games that are kind of like, uh, wow, we didn't see that one coming. And it's the case in three of them today. It's obviously the case in Vanderbilt hosting Alabama. You could make that case for uh, Georgia hosting Mississippi State yep. and certainly Kentucky against uh, Florida. And, you know, looking at what Kentucky has done, I think that was pretty impressive the way they went on the road and beat South Carolina. And considering they had beaten them three years in a row, and, you know, it's finally South Carolina's looking at it. We, look, we got our receiver. We got our quarterback. We're home. We're due. They soundly defeated them. This is a this is a pretty good Kentucky team Florida goes to play today, but Florida's pretty much had Kentucky's number. What do you see when you see this matchup with the Wildcats today? Well, I think it really comes down to whether or not Florida can clean up its execution because the Florida team that played last week probably would get beat at Kentucky. Um, you know, Kentucky's got a good quarterback. I think they do some things that Florida probably struggles with um, because Florida's not very disciplined up front defensively, and if you are not gap-bound against that quarterback, he's going to hurt you. And then the other thing I think is, you know, Florida's got to avoid turnovers. They fumbled the ball seven times in the first two games, and it hasn't really cost them a ton yet. Um, but those are the kind of things that you can't you can't make those mistakes on the road. And Kentucky will certainly be fired up and looking to take advantage. Well, you know, Thomas, and it was it's almost the opposite of you know what took place because when Coach Muschamp was there, you saw Coach Muschamp's uh, forte. He was a defensive guy, and I don't say it was expected, but. His downfall, you wouldn't expect, would be, uh, okay, well, the defense is giving up 40 points and 452 yards a game. That wasn't the case. He couldn't get the offense going, but he was a defensive background guy. Well, now is you got an offensive-minded guy who's supposed to be a quarterback guy, and, you know, Florida's recruited very well. They've got some of the nation's top prospects at, at quarterback. So, I, and being at a school where, you know, fans are frustrated with the quarterback position in the offense, I can understand where Gator fans are, and I think that's what makes it a little more hard to – understand, digest, whatever you want to say, because this is a guy that comes in, his resume, his forte is supposed mm -hmm. to be offense, and like you said, it's been bad. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think that's, you know, that's kind of getting at what I was talking about earlier with the fan base being a little upset. Um, you can't come in as a guy that, you know, promises to turn the offense around, says he can win with his dog playing quarterback, and then drop the kind of product that Florida's had out there for three years now. And, and the biggest mm. issue is the excuses are starting to fade because Florida's got yep. an offensive line now that has been around for a couple of years, they've played together, and they're still not playing well. Um, and at some point, that starts to circle back on the coaching. And I think, you know, Florida's getting to that point real quickly here. Yes, they are. Thomas Gold, can yep. LSU's next opponent in SEC play at Gainesville in a couple of weeks. Thomas, how can everybody get the latest on the Florida Gators? Right now, it's a hotbed. Fans are sounding off over there at the Gator Nation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have plenty of updates on, on everything, kind of see how today unfolds. Um, but you can find us on, on the Internet at florida.247sports.com. And if you're on Twitter, you can follow me at Thomas Goldcamp. Thomas, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. All right, boy, again, you know, Thomas, you could tell in his he voice, uh, I, mean, that's head, a, I mean, like he said, you know, it's one thing to say something, but, you know, when you talk all that talk about, like, you know, McLean was, oh, you, I mm -hmm. could have my dog at quarterback and we could score. Well, they're terrible on offense. They're not good at all. And they have had, their guy. Yeah, so you look friends. at the quarterbacks that they've recruited. They've recruited some of the top-tier quarterbacks. Absolutely. He hasn't been able to develop a quarterback. And, look, I'm not knocking the man, but his surprise pupil was supposed to be Gary Grayson. And mm -hmm. Gary Grayson is not a good quarterback in the NFL at all. No, he's not doing well at all. And I mean, we've seen that the first half. Right. So, with that, with that being said, though, you know, the most difficult thing about it is the more and more he brings in these guys, the less and less the, the, the Florida nation, if you will, will believe in him. It's, right. they, they can't put anything together. They can't sustain drives. 
they don't have the talent. I don't think they have the talent around the quarterback either. So, I mean, you can recruit these high, highly rated quarterbacks, but if you don't have the guys to block up front for them, yeah. first of all, the running backs to run the ball, to kind of protect them a little bit, and then also the guys to throw the ball out wide, you, I don't see it. You know, as much as, as, as well as Florida has been um, over, the, over the last, what, let's call it 20, 30 years. Yes. I mean, they've been great getting all kind of athletes from here and there and everywhere mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the state of Florida. They're not there anymore, man. They're well, not the same Florida. Even though they win the SEC yeah. East pretty much the last two years, yep. they've done well, but they, they don't look good doing no, it. No, they don't. And their fans are irate right now. And it's, you know, hard to imagine, but it's true. A coach that's won two Eastern crowns and been to Georgia at the SEC championship twice is yep. uh, uh, very unfavorable right now. Well, Kevin Sumlin's seat goes from uh, scorching hot to, let's just say, uh, balling hot. As A&M beats Arkansas in overtime 50-43. to 43. Brett Bielema is a guy that's in a, a very gray area in year number five, yeah, Arkansas fans. Now, he does have his contract like Kevin Sumlin's to where he would, uh, he'd have to be paid all his money at one time and not over increments. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, Arkansas falls today to A&M in overtime 50-43. to 43. Yep. We'll come back with much more. The boys from the Bayou have hooked us up with some jambalaya. So yes, we get sir. ready to partake in it. We'll count you down to LSU and Syracuse here on Tiger Radio, WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.